Beyond the, Beyond the Headlines. This is World Insight. Hello, I'm Tian Wei, coming to you this week from the Swiss mountain town of Davos, reporting on the 45th World Economic Forum. The forum, one of its largest in history, opens Monday. It aspires to rebuild trust in a fractured world. More than 800 global CEOs and a few dozen political leaders from all over the world will be in the audience. But also suits China well because it is a very populous country, 1.4 billion people, but also uh, definitely uh, the second most important economy. On Wednesday, a joint session between CGTN and the World Economic Forum will take a deeper look at the state of the Chinese economy and its relations with that of the world with complicated geopolitical and geoeconomic backdrops. I will have the honor to moderate the panel and bring to you all the latest from the forum site. As the forum manages to bring crucial stakeholders together, we will work to bring you exclusive interviews with them from the Mountain Alp. Let's start our interview series with conversation I had the other day with Borge Brande, the World Economic Forum president, right before the 45th World Economic Forum annual meeting opens. Amid the snow-capped mountains, they come together to rebuild trust in a fractured world. I am here too, bringing to you all the discussions about the world's intertwined challenges. And more importantly, reporting on efforts to find solutions, among which China is a critical player. Join me for key updates and exclusive interviews from Davos at the World Economic Forum's annual meeting. Mr. President, what a pleasure to see you once again. Likewise, and welcome to Davos. I understand this is the very first interview you take. It is true. Uh, for uh, TV, uh, of course, I have to make a priority for you and China. Thank you so much, sir. And the reason about China, this is a huge delegation that's coming to Davos for the 54th annual meeting. Yes, we are so pleased that uh, Prime Minister, Premier uh, is coming uh, with a very big uh, delegation, but also suits China well because it is uh, very populous country, 1.4 billion people, but also uh, definitely uh, the second most important economy uh, in the world. And uh, there's so much interest in uh, China's uh, development path. Uh, so all the Chinese sessions have been oversubscribed here in Davos. What do you think people are looking for in their answers? So I think uh, a lot of interest related to the tone in the Premier's uh, speech here. If you had the opportunity to ask the Premier three questions, what would you ask? <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not used to be a journalist. I'm used <laughs> to answering the questions. But um, I think I would uh, ask uh, the Premier, um, what uh, is uh, China's role in uh, shaping a more um, collaboration uh, globally. Second, uh, China has been growing at an incredible level um, for decades. How does the Premier see uh, Chinese uh, growth uh, in the years to come? How much will it pivot from an export-led uh, growth to also a growth including more 
domestic um, increased demand, mm -hmm. the home market, but also towards uh, more export of uh, services and mm -hmm. digital uh, trade. I think the third one would be uh, the role of um, the cooperation between G2, China and uh, US. Is it going to be only fierce competition or what are the areas where we can also see cooperation? Mm. So first question, China and the world. Second, China's economy transition. Third, what about the relationship between the two largest economies in the world? Yes. Wow. that's uh, a very rich, I guess, uh, a list of questions. Oh, thank you. You know, you're much better at that because you're a born journalist, but I had to do my best. I think uh, there will be an enormous amount of uh, enthusiasm and uh, curiosity from the audience, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, in indeed. And uh, as we know, uh, because of the size of China, the path forward for China uh, means not only a lot to the Chinese population, but it also has a global impact. And it is uh, now definitely a situation where we are not anymore in the post-Cold um, post War mm -hmm. uh, era. We are now seeing a new world order. We just don't know yet what it is. So uh, in that, I think uh, China will have a critical role in shaping this new world order based on multilateralism, based on cooperation, but also because of uh, China's sway uh, with the global south, but also a lot of emerging economies uh, do uh, also um, get a lot of inspiration from Beijing. Yeah, you just don't know when I'm standing here, you know, on top of the stairs overlooking the Congress Hall right behind us. So many people pass by and ask me, are you from China? So tell me about your delegation. How many people are gonna be there? Who are they? What are they gonna say? Which sessions are they gonna be? So many questions. I said, you know, I would know the answer after I talk to Borgay. There you go. Uh, or, so, or maybe you'll know the answer after you listen to all their speeches. Uh, that's true, that's true. <laughs> but give us some uh, preview about what is likely to be the scale and the specific roles of those important VIPs. So the Premier is bringing a very rich and important delegation. He's bringing uh, the Chairman of NDRC, also bringing a strong trade delegation, also a delegation from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. So I think he's bringing around uh, 120 uh, people uh, all together. So the Chinese footprint in Davos uh, on Tuesday uh, will uh, be uh, very, uh, very broad. Um, he's also then uh, doing uh, the opening speech. So um, we're all very interested in uh, the signals. I, I do expect that the Premier will follow up on the important speech of President Xi Jinping in 2017, where he underlined that uh, we need to collaborate. We cannot only compete. We need a strong multilateral system. And he said that China is very committed and dedicated to that. So I do expect that uh, we probably hear something along these lines also from the Premier. But the world has changed too a lot since then. So it has to be updated to the landscape we are faced with today. Mm. The forum has always aspired to be a bridge. What kind of bridge is the forum today 
for example, between China and the rest of the world, um, compared to, let's just say, 10 years ago. Um, Borge, I know you've been working for the forum already for 10 years, you know, for different terms. This is your second term, sixth year already. So I guess you are most qualified to answer that question. No, thank you. So um, the world has changed also during the last uh, 10 uh, years. I think uh, being a bridge uh, between uh, north and south and east and west is even more important for the World Economic Forum. So we at least look at ourselves as the trusted platform. We are as uh, Chinese as we are European or African or Latin American. And uh, I think that uh, we brought Davos to China, the summer Davos, has been uh, very important for also the trust between the World Economic Forum and, uh, and China. And the fact that the uh, Premier is coming here also shows that um, China sees the value of meeting here with 60 other head of states and governments. Mm -hmm. We have 300 cabinet ministers from all over the world, but maybe even more important, we have the 800 leading CEOs of all global businesses. And I know that uh, uh, Premier will uh, also meet with a lot of the global CEOs when he's here, like uh, President Xi Jinping did uh, in San Francisco uh, during the APEC meeting. As the forum, I see every year you are trying to nail down, you know, the most important changes of the time. But voila, that's such a gigantic job. How did you decide to work on building, rebuilding trust? I mean, to me, this is a really ambitious task to put in front of you. And uh, the final homework is not going to be an easy one. That's true, but uh, we're not looking for easy homework. We are <laughs> looking for consequential yeah. and important homework. And I think we all know that the most pressing issues in the world do travel uh, without passports. They're transboundary. Look at climate change. We are seeing now that the global food production uh, will have challenges to uh, scale mm. because of climate change. Mm -hmm. We know that uh, future pandemics do travel without passports. Yeah. We knew that and know that from COVID. We also know that uh, cyber attacks, uh, they go uh, transboundary. So the only way uh, to then uh, really uh, make sure that we can uh, deal with these challenges is that we collaborate and we need more collaboration and not less collaboration. People, it, it's so hard to find solutions especially actionable, united solutions. So you hear people have more disillusions, they are more confused, and they complain. Hmm. How to make sure all the discussions here are not going to be complaining sessions, but rather actionable discussions that can lead to real results? It's such a good point. I think uh, a lot of people were uh, having a hard time during the pandemic and, and COVID. We know that uh, the global economy is not growing as fast as it used to do. Uh, the 20 last years, it used to grow 3.8% per year. Now it's growing 29 
So with combined with inflation and also combined with higher interest rates, people do feel this. But I think it's important also to show that there are silver linings. Mm. And um, some people are even expecting recessions now. But the economists are still growing. And uh, I prefer uh, to look at uh, glass uh, half full instead of half empty. And even if you have challenges, uh, there is real opportunities moving forward. If you look at the new technologies, for example, artificial intelligence, Internet of Things, these can increase the global productivity with 30% in the coming decade. That would be the highest increase in productivity that we've seen in recent history. And productivity is really, really prosperity. If you can produce higher up in the value chain with less people, you can then uh, afford uh, to buy more and you will have also increased um, salaries in the households. Right. So I see already the forum uh, trying to establish something like an AI alliance, yeah. bringing all the stakeholders together, trying to come up with the right attitude toward the develop, rapid development of AI, yeah. while at the same time things like uh, early movers on climate change. Uh, so a lot of actions involved, but the world is watching as to what might be the actions they can take together as an inspiration for all the others to follow. Exactly. I think the immediate challenge now is to making sure that the geopolitical situation doesn't uh, escalate in a negative way. I'm thinking about the war in Gaza. Uh, we have the situation now with the Houthis making sure that this now is not becoming uh, a full-fledged uh, uh, regional conflict. I'm, I don't think it will, but we will have to stabilize that. Then, uh, of course, we will also now um, have to look at the opportunities there when it comes to cooperation. I mentioned the huge potential when it comes to artificial intelligence, but it also has potential negative sides. It could be killer robots, it could be uh, also a deep fake. Uh, we need traffic rules. Just imagine Beijing without any traffic rules. It would be total chaos. And today, globally, we have no globally uh, agreed traffic rules for artificial intelligence. So we need that. On, on also climate change, we also need to work with business because there is really the companies that can um, do a lot now moving forward. And that's the First Movers Coalition, as you mentioned, is a coalition of 100 companies that have said that we will use our big purchasing power to create a green demand. We will ask for greener products. And that's sending a really strong signal to uh, a, a demand signal. Amid the snow-capped mountains, they come together to rebuild trust in a fractured world. I am here too, bringing to you all the discussions about the world's intertwined challenges. And more importantly, reporting on efforts to find solutions, among which China is a critical player. Join me for key updates and exclusive interviews from Davos at the World Economic Forum's annual meeting. How come all these good messages very hard to travel? Ah, that's true. Misinformation, disinformation travel so fast. What's happening? So, uh, when we grew up, at least when I grew up, we read newspapers that were very carefully edited by editors. 
So what you read in the newspaper was fact-checked and all this. A lot of people now get most of their information from social media. And when they get it from social media, you have to take it with a pinch of salt. It is not like edited by someone. You have to look at it and say, oh, this is correct. This is fake news and all this. So I think there is a lot of misunderstandings, especially I, I think in, in Europe and in the US, uh, people read things and they believe it, even uh, if it's not the reality. And that of course is very challenging because a basis for good decisions is that you have all the facts and you have to make decisions based on facts. Just imagine if you were making decisions based on not factual, uh, the, the, the facts. Based on opinions rather than the facts. Yeah, and, and maybe misleading opinions. Yes. Just to, that's trying to manipulate you. Mm. So media literacy is one of the biggest priorities it seems that we are facing today altogether. Yeah, so I, I think uh, social media illiteracy and not being critical enough when you read what is there. You have to take it, you know, with a pinch of salt. It is not necessarily through everything uh, you read. Uh, I know it from when I was foreign minister myself. People came to me also in public meetings and said so and so and so. And I said, oh, what's your source? Yes. Oh, no, I, I saw it in social media. I saw it in Facebook or Weibo or something like that. Of course, it can be correct, but it doesn't need to be correct. Mm -hmm. So uh, what is the forum trying to deal with? How is the forum trying to deal with misinformation and disinformation about the forum? Yeah, that's also a, a good question because uh, the forum is, uh, in my view, uh, of course I'm biased, but I think we're a very successful uh, organization. Uh, we are really trying uh, to bring different uh, players together, build bridges, we're impartial and neutral. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's always someone that likes to attack also successful organizations. And uh, we have also had our uh, portion of that. Sometimes we just, uh, when people go low, you go high. Mm -hmm. So we, we try to ignore it. But if it's too bad, I think we maybe have to be tougher in the future and say, this is just ridiculous. It's, mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's not right. But. Um, we uh, doesn't keep us up at night, though. <laughs> but, but we're not complacent either. We have to just find a balance. A good balance. But, yeah. yeah, a good balance. Also about China, uh, as uh, there were the issue of the pandemic earlier, uh, and therefore interactions between China and the rest of the world has been uh, somewhat uh, uh, not satisfying. So uh, there is also an issue about uh, misinformation, disinformation, or lack of quality information about China. On the other hand, uh, of course, these days, uh, when you see the operations of media, uh, rhetorics, narratives are always key elements. So how do you see, you know, the mixture about this, uh, you know, people's impressions about China? How is this time through the forum, uh, the impressions can be more closer, can be closer to facts? Good, good question. I think uh, come to our summer Davos uh, next year in Dalian uh, and uh, see for yourself uh, all what is also happening uh, in China. Sometimes, uh, some actually, last year in Tianjin was already very helpful. Yeah. So, so then people came. They could then check themselves if it was like uh, some people then portray it to be uh, in social media. You know, China is 
1.4 billion people. It's the second largest economy. So there's many Chinas, there is many provinces, there is a lot of people, there's a lot of things happening at the same time. It's not one China, it's 1.4 billion China. So I think we need to not, uh, we have to avoid being black and white. Uh, everything comes with nuances and uh, China uh, is an ancient society. Uh, China is still a growing economy. It's uh, still the largest exporter um, in the world. But as other countries, also first China also has its challenges, but it takes it very seriously. It's addressing it uh, in a very meticulous uh, way. And uh, that's, I think, uh, the only thing one can ask for. Uh, but we're also in a very complicated world and I, uh, I also, production is changing very fastly. So what is growing most today is, uh, for example, digital trade mm -hmm. and services. So uh, digital trade is growing double as fast as traditional goods. Uh, China exports 90% of everything related to solar and, and wind. But China is also diversifying and China also uh, has seen that uh, it has invested a lot in real estate and in infrastructure in the past and uh, the Chinese leadership is now reallocating these um, investments also into investments uh, in the new technologies, uh, in new artificial... And, uh, new energy yeah. and also new yeah. technologies. And, yeah. and, and the energy uh, transformation uh, is, uh, is critical. You know, half of all the renewable energy that was invested in last year came from China. But at the same time, of course, uh, China is also a major producer uh, of uh, coal because that is the resource that China has. So China is pivoting fast, but um, of course, things do take time too. Uh, people want jobs. People also want to keep their income. People want growth. And uh, we should not forget, though, that the most, the historic eradication of poverty that has happened in China since I was in China in 1986 until now is like lifting a billion people out of poverty. Uh, that's not an easy thing to do, and it's never happened in the history of uh, our planet that so many people have been lifted out of poverty in such a short time. But of course, when you uh, get a big middle class, middle class uh, want a car, middle class want better houses, they want better education uh, for their children and all that. And that's a natural development. And uh, then it's also uh, challenging um, for policy uh, makers. And especially in a situation where we see and then see more trade barriers, more tariffs, uh, also uh, French shoring and all this and for China that is an export-led economy uh, has had to pivot but uh, medium long term mm -hmm. I'm uh, optimistic on behalf of uh, Chinese competitiveness and uh, economy. Mm. Over the past few years we see uh, geopolitics and geoeconomics have been uh, playing major roles uh, in the international sphere. So 
Do you see we have already acquired at least some preliminary level of uh, maturity as a whole? I hope so. I, I hope uh, the Spring Festival, the Chinese New Year, um, will uh, be uh, a very good one. I hope people uh, will also have the opportunity to go and visit their families. And uh, I hope that uh, the meeting between uh, President Biden and uh, President Xi Jinping was the start of uh, better U.S.-China uh, relations, because we all need that. China and the U.S. is 45% uh, of the global GDP, is almost half of what uh, is wealth created on our planet. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. President, uh, once again, for giving us this opportunity, the very first interview of the annual meeting 2024. It's a pleasure, really. And that's my conversation with President of the World Economic Forum, Jorge Brande. That's all the time we have for today. If you'd like to know more, try to find us, World Inside, on our YouTube channel. You can also follow us on X and Facebook. I'm Tian Wei. On behalf of my team here in Davos, Switzerland, and also back in Beijing, thanks for being with us, and I'll see you tomorrow.